stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Coming at you like its name was Nurmagomedov, welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey guys, I am back. Welcome to episode 164 of Host Sport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Mr. Andre Harrison. Praise be to Dre. Yes, he's now taken up his new second role in life as church pastor. Um, feel free yes. to leave with it. Feel free to leave your donations as generous as they may be in the tip yes. box outside. <laughs> Praise Dre, Bishop Dre. <laughs> Praise be. Sadly, I couldn't make a Father Ted joke because Danny Brennan isn't on this show because the idea of calling him Bishop Brennan would have been hilarious. Danny, I know you're listening, and I know you'll appreciate that one. <laughs> Welcome to episode 164. And already on Discord, people are coming up with their own suggestions for my own title. Bishop Dre, Archbishop Dre, Pope Dreus I. <laughs> I've already suggested the best one, and that's uh, and that's a take on a uh, famous Atlanta uh, church minister, uh, Dre Flow Dollar. <laughs> Lay the, may the dollars flow through me. <laughs> Praise church be is, to Dre. Praise be to Dre. Church is in session. Amen. Um, welcome back to Motorsport 101, everybody. Hope you guys uh, missed me last week. Um, I missed the I missed a good week. I really did. Um, you know, I, I was about to go scorched earth on Mercedes for a completely understandable team orders decision, but uh, sadly that wasn't to be. Um, you know, I was. I was staying over with, you know, with mates and whatnot. I have a social life now, apparently. Who would have thought it? Um, but hey, here we are. Episode 164, The Church of Dre, um, is, is now in session. And with me, for my service, um, is Bishop Ryan King. Yes, yes. Here to here to make all the pain seem understandable. <laughs> he does that most weeks, to be fair, but here we are. <laughs> this week's a good week. The Jets won. <laughs> it is a good week the Jets did win um, in, indeed and uh, from the land of Nashville Tennessee Archbishop RJ Franz Ferdinand O'Connell <laughs> yes everyone please open open your open your, uh, your prayer books um, to page uh, to 217 uh, and we'll read you a passage from the book of Mission Winnow <laughs> Ugh. Which I thought now. was just was, yes. Mission win now. Mission win sometime <laughs> soon. Mission ah uh, screw it. We'll just pack it in until twenty nineteen. Yeah, like just just I, I call it mission. Make the pain go away. Just <laughs> like our baseball team, just holding off till the spring of twenty nineteen. You know, Atlanta was playing with house money, and I'm proud of them. They did good. I also got to see Ronald Acuna hit a grand slam with my own two eyes. It was beautiful. He's so amazing. He should win Rookie of the Year. That is awesome. That is awesome. Mr. Leadoff home run. What a boy. I look forward to the inevitable urinating tree. Congratulations, Braves video. <laughs> Praise be. Praise be. Praise <laughs> be to Dre. I can get used to this, actually. <laughs> I'm drunk with power this week. Um, but 
drunk with the power of the wine of our lord. <laughs> In the meantime, I'll quickly get the shameless plugs out of the way. <laughs> We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Um, yes, Henry, we do have the holy bread. We are on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, and at Ryan Eric King. That's with two Ks. Um, and if you really, really like us, you could back us financially on Patreon. Last week's episodes are available for just a buck. Um, as an apology, from from us, I mean, we were a little bit busy with time constraints and whatnot. We weren't able to get episode eighty of Bike Lives Early Access out. My bad. Um, sorry about that. So last week's shows are up for just a buck. If you want to, there's no better time to chip in than now. Uh, five dollars gets you early access any other week to both this show and Bike Live. Episode eighty-one of Bike Live went went up this past weekend. A historic weekend in World Superbikes at Magni Um And also, just a quick a quick mindless sidetrack while I'm here. Congratulations to Anna Carrasco. What a bad, bad girl. Yeah. Uh, the first individual woman to ever win a motorcycle world championship. Um, a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. And arguably one of the... Like, somehow a last lap that was almost as crazy as Lucas Mahias' in Portimao two weeks prior i didn't think that might have been topped it very nearly did um yeah i'll I'll give it away a little bit scott deru has mechanical breakdown early on he was one of the main contenders to beat carrasco he suffers a mechanical breakdown mika perez is on the brink of stealing the title from 18 points back on the final round carrasco had to start from 25th had climbed her way up to 13th over the course of the race perez was leading and was going to steal the title but then danny valley with three corners to go down the hill at magni passes him he goes on to win the race Mika Perez finishes in second and Anna Carrasco wins the title by one point. <laughs> it really did come down to the final lap and pretty much the final corner to decide who was champion. A a, a, a crazy weekend. But congrats to Anna Carrasco and let's n- no point underestimate just how an important a victory that was. A, a, a good week for women in the sense of Anna Carrasco winning. And hey, the first episode of Doctor Who with Jodie Whittaker kicked ass and got over 8 million viewers. So a good week for women role models in, in, in figures you don't normally expect. Good shit. Um... Oh, and some guy called Jonathan Ray won his fourth world title too. Apparently, yeah, he's, apparently, yeah, he's all right. You know, he was only on BBC Breakfast and all that this week, getting mainstream press attention. Um, all of that um, in World Superbikes in Portimao. Three new champions crowned there: Jonathan Ray, Anna Carrasco, and Marcus Reiterberger winning the final ever Euro- European Superstock 1000 title as well before that championship closes its door for the last time on that one and we review British Superbikes at Assen as well as Leon Haslam effectively put one hand and four fingers on him finally winning his first major title after another double victory at Assen um, going into Brands Hatch that season finale is this weekend believe it or not um uh, uh, believe it or not, at uh, Brands Hatch this weekend. There's a good chance he wins it on the Saturday in race one. Very Josh Brooks style, if I, if I do say so myself. But uh, as Kenny says, Elin's finest, because yeah, West London boy Leon Haslam is finally going to win a major title, and I'm hacked for that. All of that on episode of 81 of Bike Live as well. And also, as a side note, fellas, did you watch that race in Thailand? 
Yes. Oh my god, what a race that was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I told y'all Thailand was going to be fun. Eesh. He wasn't wrong, kids. One of the races of the year, and 100,000 people in Thailand filled out the Chang International Circuit for that one. Um, fucking awesome stuff. Um, but yeah, as, as Emily points out, 100,000 on, on race day, 200,000 over the course of the weekend. Half the European rounds would dream of those sorts of numbers. Um, we'll Buddy, I've been, I've been telling y'all since it, it's been a Super GT venue for about five years, low-key, this is one of the better circuits of the 21st century. It's great. Yeah, like it's been a part of World Superbikes for quite some time, and it's produced some great races there as well. So I always knew it was going to be good for MotoGP, but... Um, overall, it's a great circuit. It's in a great part of the world. That like the, the like the Thailand people love bikes and they love MotoGP. And Mark Marquez really did work super hard um, from a PR standpoint over the weekend. He was in Bangkok riding his bike around, you know, riding a tuk tuk, and basically m- messing with all the locals. They love him in that part of the world. And how refreshing was it that we didn't get a sea of yellow and a flock of booze <laughs> on during the podium? celebrations and oh by the way fucking brilliant fight on the final lap between Mark Marquez Andrea Davizioso Maverick Vinales and Valentino Rossi in a four-way fight for the victory um yes the Yamahas weren't dog shit um they are they were back with a vengeance this weekend and uh I, I, I mean they kind of were but yeah I mean it's probably down to the track but you know Vinales was never quite there to make a move but bless him they tried um on that one um Great, great weekend. If you have not seen the race yet, go out of your way to see it. It is a brilliant MotoGP race in Thailand. Uh, so yeah, all of that on Bike Live in episode 81 for last week and episode 82 coming up later this week as well. I'll preview a little bit more of that at the end of the show. But uh, get your hymn books out and uh, and uh, yeah, pass around the holy bread. It's time to review the Japanese Grand Prix. Thank you, thank you. You may now have seen it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. And uh, may the power of Dre Flow Dollar compel you. The Formula One Japanese Grand Prix, round 17. And uh, oh boy, this 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 was this was just a, a nice tall glass of not my weekend right from the get go here. Um, <laughs> it, it looked pretty ominous through Friday practice that Mercs were going to cakewalk this one and that's pretty much exactly what happened. They were fast. They were as much as like 8 miles an hour faster during Friday practice and I was sitting there going, oh boy. (laughs) This is going to be another weekend of pain. Little did I know just how painful it was going to be. Um, Saturday morning comes along, qualifying happens. It's a... It is a qualifying session that is basically raining on and off pretty much all the way through, especially in Q2 and 3. Um, some minor surprises. Charles Leclerc going for a perfect 360 spin. Um, Tony Hawk would have been proud of that one. <laughs> Another one. Uh, 
He does this often. He does it a lot, he's doesn't he? He's really good at this lining up perfectly. Like, he got the perfect landing bonus. Um, 9.5 from the Russian judge. Um, but uh, Q3 happened, and it was yet another Ferrari screw-up. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Um, the, the session starts dry enough to run slicks. Just. Like, they were, they were way faster than the intermediates. Mercedes get out, of course, straight away on a brand new set of super soft tyres. Ferrari put their boys on intermediates. <sighs> and they effectively lose basically four or five minutes of running from the cycle turnaround of in-out you know, super soft tyres on. And by that point, Mercedes have already got their banker laps in and the, it starts to rain again. So the track conditions were only getting worse as the 12 minutes went on. Ferrari missed their chances. Both Raikkonen and Vettel made mistakes on the slippery track. Raikkonen ends up qualifying fourth, which is about his average these days. And, and Sebastian Vettel ended up down in ninth. And I and I was at work watching this, just getting my shop open, and I almost threw a betting slip out of the wall. I was just like, for God's sake, why does this keep happening? And... Ferrari screwed the pooch again. Mauricio Arabeni is angry about it. Um, like he's angry about most things these days, planning about his future job at Juventus. Um, but King could console me. What 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 happened? What what happened? Wrong tire. <laughs> like wrong tire for the conditions. That's what happened. Just like simple ass. I don't I don't think they they win nowed enough. <laughs> no, they, they clearly weren't winning enough. They 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 thought sod it, you know. Let's. I mean, it's on the cars. It's on the cars <laughs> now. Very subliminally. Subliminally. Um, there you go. There we go. Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Perfect. Um. Yeah, Ferrari has a uh, has a new branding campaign, uh, and that really didn't help them at all during qualifying. Vettel starting qualifying ninth, starting eighth. Not ideal. <laughs> Yeah, he was bumped up one place because Esteban Ocon uh, suffered a three-place grid penalty for ignoring red flags, basically. It's just a similar penalty to what Vettel got last year in Canada. Um, oh, sorry, I think the year before in Canada was the, was the year he got a grid penalty for red flags, basically. Um, so, yeah, he was given three penalty, for two penalty points on the license and a three-place grid penalty for not slowing down during a red flag, which dropped him down to 11th. Um, so... Yeah, we have to talk about this new Ferrari for just a second here as well. Project Win Now, which <laughs> no, no, it's 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 pronounced Winnow as in Win O. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh look, they won! What a surprise! <laughs> yeah, from what uh, from what King was telling me, uh, for what's telling us before the show as well, um, mm. you know, this is basically just like, hey, we're gonna take all the bad stuff out of cigarettes. Whoa, the whoa, whoa! They're, the not, they're not, they're not blatantly saying that. <laughs> no, no, it totally isn't about tobacco. <laughs> the the corporate line from Philip Morris International is that they're trying to change as a company and provide innovation and. Uh, provide innovation through science and technology to any industry. Like, and see, if this was an episode of last week tonight, it would immediately cut to John Oliver back in the studio and going, bullshit. (laughs) Just like the prospects of Ferrari winning now. (laughs) Like, the hilarious part was, like, in their little, like, 
stinger ad video for pro for for mission winnow there is tobacco in the video <laughs> Yeah. Now right. it's not cigarette. This is just the leaves. This is just the, leaves the leaves that they <laughs> the leaves that they use to put into the paper rolls that they'll sell you for about eight dollars a pop. Yeah, this is totally got nothing to do with cigarettes. <laughs> so, so basically, the the pin tweet to uh, the Mission Widow Twitter account. I'm not. Gonna, we we already already know what the pin tweet is. Their little mission statement, but the replies. The replies. So basically, somebody's like, "What is this mission? To sell more cigarettes?" And then uh, they reply to pretty much every single tweet. The reply is, "Hashtag Mission Winnow is about who we are and the way we do things. This is not about uh, Philip Morris International branded products. This is our, our this is a, this is about a commitment to a better future for all." <laughs> Trans, uh, in other words, I feel really bad for the social media admin that has to run that page. It's like oh even God. even them typing back like must like must be like this is such bullshit, but I've got to do it. And it's like oh. and control V, control C, <laughs> control V. Yeah. Oh dear. Like no products or brands from PMI are associated with Mission Win now, and none will ever be. The logo is an arrow, a symbol of progress. To find out more, read our mission statement on our website. And I'm like, this is such bullshit. Oh dear. It's it's not as good an arrow as the one you realize is in the FedEx logo. Thanks to the power of negative imaging. You're welcome. just shoot me, please. And this was this. <laughs> the, the only good thing that came from this was a bonus card in the F1 trading card game. Like that's the only good that ever came from this. <laughs> and if anything, it now just makes you cringe even more that they had Mission Winner on a card that has now amazingly only won once in the last seven rounds. <sighs> God, oh that's the irony. It's more like Mission Mission uh, Podium now. Like though, hey, I do love the the standard Ferrari marketing tactic of let's try it out Kimmy for this <laughs> because everybody loves Kimmy and to celebrate the occasion they broke out a book of haikus, <laughs> which of course the internet lapped up because of course Kimmy Riker and doing anything is worth like wrapping themselves up in like 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 a like a roll up or like a blunt <laughs> like ro- steering wheel. Steering wheel, gloves and steering wheel. Hey, hey, steering wheel, steering wheel. Is, is that seventeen? <laughs> normal. If we oh all feel God. normal, then not, and all of my friends are also not normal. Though it did remind me of mm, when when Kapersky, uh, the you know the Russian software security company, mm. decided like. Who are also a Ferrari sponsor decided to put on their in-store standees Kimi Raikkonen with the phrase "I want to be unhackable." <laughs> oh my! Oh my! <laughs> That's just prime shit posting. <laughs> that is the definition of shit posting. <laughs> it's like Kimi Raikkonen's personality has been unhackable for almost twenty years now. <laughs> like Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah, and it's still not even as good as any of the shit you see in the crowd. Like, the dude who showed up with, like, the McLaren uh, rear assembly with, like, the working DRS turned up again, this time with Toro Rosso with, like, the aero uh, rake that they use in FP1. Mm-hmm. Like, uh... That's the kind of... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the cool shit. That is the cool shit. That's why we love Japan. We really do. I'm, like I mentioned, like, 
a quick side note before I get back into a dramatic reading of Kimi Raikkonen's haikus. Um, I have to say as well, like FP1, for example, like the the practice had finished for like four hours and the fans were all still at the circuit in the main grandstand for the fireworks show. With glow sticks. It's amazing. <laughs> I love Japan. The Japanese people are amazing. I love them. <laughs> they had a whole cheering stand for Toro Rosso, just like everybody waving like blue flags and blue banners all over the place. And they had good reason to do it Saturday when Brendan Hartley qualified sits and Pierre Gasly qualified seventh. Jumping ahead in the set list begin, but man, that's awesome! It was it, like Brendan Hartley's career high qualifying session um, in in P six, and he was delighted. And I was re- I was delighted for Brendan Hartley because he's he's due a bit of good luck, and I'm glad he finally got one out there. Apparently, according to Luke Smith, apparently his uh, his engineer lied to him live during the session and to say the Force Indians are ahead of him and apparently that motivated Hartley to push more during these slippery conditions. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Um, so, um, so yeah, congratulations to them. Um, shout out as well. Like, guys, would you like to hear like a, a handful of Kimi Raikkonen and Haikus? Uh, yes. Okay, so uh, we've got <clears throat> Finland. In summer, there's fishing. In winter, the fishing is bad. That's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, hang on, I've got, I've got some good ones here. I've got Helmets are special. I wipe it so that I can see better. It protects my head. I am not making any of this up, by the way. These are actual haikus yes, from the book. we've seen the book. Yeah. The circuit. Narrow in some places, wide at the other. It depends on where you are. Radio silence. Uh, Quiet radio. Very obvious things is not necessary. Steering wheel. Steering wheel, come on. <laughs> I think we're still trying to determine if that if that statement was 17 syllables, if it follows a 575 format. I have decided to just do... Like, to... Just like Kimi Raikkonen's <laughs> qualifying record. <laughs> I have decided... 575. <laughs> I've decided to do motorsports because I don't have to get up there so early in the morning. I mean, that's true. He was asleep 30 minutes before the start of his very first race. Yeah, like, it, it's, uh... Let's just say some of them were a bit relaxed on the 575 structure, but given Raikkonen's race results this season, if the boot fits, right? Um, so, should we talk about the race itself for a bit? Because, you know, Lewis, yeah, Am- Lewis Hamilton sc- scored his 80th. His 80th pole position um in the process he outqualified Valtteri Bottas by about three tenths of a second in the end it's uh um so yeah um right like Mercedes one two Verstappen starting third um Raikkonen fourth uh, Haas best of the rest of the honors go to Robe Grosjean in fifth um ahead of the two four uh, two Toro Rosso as I mentioned Hartley and Gasly Vettel was starting down in eight with well, effective eighth after Ocon's penalty and speaking of Seb, lightning star off the line is able to pass both both the Toro Rossos um, by essentially turn three. He was already up into fifth. He, he dispatched Grosjean quite shortly afterwards. He was running fourth. Um, now, I'll pause it there and I'll get back to that in just a minute because there was one key moment of the Grand Prix and that was a very early safety car. I think it was lap 
before the safety car had come out because uh, Magnuson did a Magnuson again, everybody. Um, K-Mag was defending from a, a imminent attack on the home straight from one Charles Leclerc. Um, and... Um, <sighs> Basically, Leclerc pulls out of the slipstream to, you know, line up alongside, looking for the move to turn one. Magnussen, with an incredibly late swerve, actually runs into the front of Leclerc's front wing, um, punches his rear tyre in the process, go and um, basically loses a race lap. Magnussen's race was effectively over right there, and then Leclerc had to come into the pits for a new front wing. Um, basically, there was also a spectacular moment on the back of the spoon curve where his whole rear tyre basically exploded. Um... With debris everywhere, that that forced the safety car to come out and clear it, basically. Um, so, like, uh, wh- like, where do we begin on Kevin Magnussen? Because like, Magnussen is having a brilliant season by his standards, right? He's right in the hunt for the Formula One point five title. He's joint first now in that fight with Hulkenberg and, and Cheeky Checo um, on fifty three points. Um, he's having an excellent season by any stretch. He's picked up the lion's share of the points for Haas this year. He's generally ironed out most of the kinks in his game. But this is the third time he's done something really dangerous like this. Um, that was at 200 miles an hour. And he swerved at the last second to try and defend from a Leclerc move that was always going to happen. I just... <sighs> I'll go with the uh, I'll go with the radio co- quote from Charles mm. Leclerc. Magnuson is and always will be stupid. <laughs> that was indeed the radio message. Like I love that Leclerc, while still driving back to the pits, was so eloquent in how he basically uh, tortured Magnuson like this. Because that's the thing, Magnuson is really good at getting results now, but. I find it also quite a lot just how questionable his racecraft can be. Because, like, I remember the FP1 incident, or also with Charles Leclerc, where he almost he, he swerved him on the home straight in Catalonia. And I remember when he almost ran Pierre Gasly into the wall at Baku. And those were ludicrously dangerous moves. And it worries me that at one point Magnussen is really going to hurt somebody. Like, badly hurt somebody. Because that's... Those three incidents were all at the best part of 200 MPH. And... (sighs) He's going to get somebody seriously hurt one of these days. And... It it worries me a lot, King. Like, it really does. Because, like, he's he's an excellent driver outside of this. I just don't know why he feels the need to defend something so hard. Oh, I mean... it, It just seems like... That's who he is. That's his personality. That is... Kevin, suck my balls, honey, Magnuson. Yeah, and that's the funny thing about it. Only four points in his last four races. And, you know, he was piss poor at Singapore. He was he was decent in Sochi and to finish in eighth. Um, you know, Monza, again, his, his race craft came into question. Not once, but twice that weekend. Uh, even though the quarterfinal was probably more on Alonso than it was him, to be fair. But... It's like Magnuson keeps having these little moments where he just loses his head, like and like in 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 the sense of just when it comes to racecraft and dealing with other drivers, it's like he almost has no respect for other drivers on track. It's it's alarming. You can't be making sudden moves like that. People are going to get hurt. One of these days, you're gonna you're gonna misjudge it really badly, and you're gonna end up 
like barrel rolling like Marcus Ericsson did at Monza. And that's the last thing anybody wants to see. Um, like, and Kevin's better than that. And that's what makes it the most frustrating thing of all. Um, he's had, an, like I mentioned, he's having an excellent, excellent season. And I just don't understand why he's doing that. He'd be a legit driver of the year contender if it wasn't for some of these errors. I just find it alarming that he's he's doing shit like that. Anyway, safety car comes in, and the first lap of the safety car pulled it, pulling in, uh, Sebastian Vettel is all over the back of Max Verstappen in the fight for third. Um, he tried a half a lunge at the hairpin, didn't quite work. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Verstappen is charging his battery on the run-up to Spoon. Remember this, it becomes important very quickly. Sebastian's turned his battery up. He's probably probably looking for that infamous Ferrari boost we keep talking about. He tries a very late move into Spoon. They hit each other. Verstappen comes off better for it. Vettel loses it on on the long run-off on the backside of the Spoon curve. Falls down to 17th place. And any slim hope of Sebastian winning the title pretty much evaporated right there and then. Um, It's the big talking point of the weekend. Um, And uh, this is the part everybody looks at me. (laughs) It's like, well, Dre, talk about your mans. Um, All rise. All rise um, for the Church of Dre. The Church of Dre is now in session. You may be seated. <clears throat> Here's my statement on the situation. For once, I actually kind of agreed with David Coulthard, um, who I was watching on Channel 4's coverage, because Channel 4 had the weekend live this weekend. A bit of a weird race to choose live, given it's 7 in the morning, but hey. I'm not a TV, I'm not a TV producer. Well worth it. But David Coulthard said, upon watching the replay of the incident, that uh, it was it was the desperate move of a desperate man. And yeah, like people that was people that on Sky, like Sky Sports ran a poll of whose fault it was, and eighty four percent said Sebastian Vettel. And I'm, I'm just gonna stop you for a second. That move. On. Based on how the cars are racing this year, based on where a lot of the overtakes were made, a lot were made heading in the spoon, it wasn't that desperate. Like, Vettel pulled off that move three times after that first failed one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it was helped a bit by, you know, people moving out of the way. But you yeah, can yeah, make Charles Claire moved out the way. Yeah, you can make moves at Spoon Curve. This is not like, you know, you're cycling around Monaco. Um, you have some breaking, and it does require some level of commitment to make a move at the first part of Spoon. Uh, you just, again, you have to be committed to it, um, and you have to, and you have to do it with some space. Uh, mm-hmm. Clearly, that didn't happen. Yeah, there is an element of me that says yes. Sebastian committed to that move very late. Spoon is the kind of corner where, yes, you can overtake, but you probably are better off already being side-by-side to make that work and forcing the other guy into taking a wider line. Um, Vettel committed to that move very late, um, but 
Verstappen absolutely did turn in on him as well. And that didn't help the situation, and that's probably what caused the incident. Verstappen claimed Vettel understeered into him. I'm not entirely sure I can believe that, because by that point, contact had already been made. So I, I'm not sure how much he was going to quote-unquote understeer into that corner when the contact was right before the first apex. So Yeah, and like... Uh... The former drivers on the Sky crew, especially Anthony Davidson, emphasizes that uh, the entry in the spoon, the curb isn't really the apex. You ideally, the ideal line is not to be on the curb, so there should have been room there anyway. Yeah, yeah. Both it's, things it's... can be true. That Sebastian Vettel made a very desperate move because he really didn't have any other options, and Max Verstappen didn't leave Vettel enough space to make the move in the first place. Both yeah. of these things can be true. Exactly. And, and and not to mention, as Cam points out on the Discord, like, here's the thing. People are coming out and saying, oh, Vettel could have just waited to make his move. Please tell a racing driver in the middle of a race to wait to pass somebody. You're applying logic to a scenario that doesn't need logic or doesn't need that specific brand of logic. Like, no one is ever going to tell a racing driver, especially one who saw an opportunity to pass, especially one who's 50 points down in the title fight with five races to go and can see his championship going away from him. You can't tell that guy to be patient. It's not going to work. Like... And not to mention, like this is like, and I've been, I've not been on for the last two weeks, so of course I've not had a chance to really comment on this in public. The root, like the like the new narrative seems to be that Vettel has imploded this season, which is a guy that's had, you know, a guy that's had before Japan two podiums, a fourth, and a race win, and they're telling me that the season's gone to shit. I, I, I like. I find that amazing. It's it's not so much that Vettel has imploded. We have all forgotten. Lewis Hamilton has won six of the last seven. And has only dropped 14 points since his DNF in Austria. Yeah. Spoiler alert, he won this race too. Fourth win in Japan in the last five years. Yeah. Like, he has only dropped 14 points since Austria. He's been virtually no. perfect. Yeah. The hilarious moment on the sky broadcast i don't know it was the world feed graphics whoever runs the world feed graphics has like impeccable timing did it purposely no the second time that lewis hampton complains about drivability the drivability of his power unit uh whoever ran the graphics ran up a little uh ran up a little lower third and said lewis hamilton won four of the last five grand prix beautiful beautiful (laughs) it's like Like oh in the the juxtaposition of like lewis hamilton is like having placebo engine problems oh that one (laughs) that old chestnut hamilton does that every time he's leading a race like he goes oh the the brakes might not be working properly the 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 engine's struggling (laughs) you know like is the whole thing going to blow up on me you know he does that every time he's leading a race without fail um bless it's his as, heart uh, it's as paul and crafty were discussing like when you're out front suddenly like every minute unnoticeable like drivability issue like shit you, yeah. you don't mean to tell me that like the red bull guys would love to have the drivability issues that lewis hamilton is having <laughs> right now i wish I fucking wish the guy that's won six of the last seven, one of them handed to him on a plate, is out here saying, oh no, the car might not be perfect. 
Well, goddamn. <laughs> Sorry, L- last time I checked, Ferrari's got a dominant car and should have won 11 out of the last 12 last time I checked. That's what my curious cat inbox tells me half the fucking time. It's like, oh, oh, guys, guys, Ferrari had the best car all year. How have they not won this title? You know, maybe because they didn't have the best freaking car. Or, or maybe, just maybe, and here's a thought, there's more to an F1 race than just having the best car. For once... And I don't normally say this, because normally I am the best car normally wins guy. There's been a lot of mitigating factors in races this season. Three out of... No, 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 Trey, Trey, Trey. Like, you are the best car normally wins, because the best car does normally win. Right. Because the best car is usually built by the best team. Amazing, that isn't it? And it's almost like Mercedes are a far more competently run team than Ferrari right now. Like, as mentioned, as, and as Cam just pointed out there, the cars are close enough that outside factors can have a crazy effect. Let's not forget, three out of the first four races this season was decided by safety cars or pit stop shenanigans. Australia decided on a safety car. Bahrain decided on Kimi Räikkönen and playing Harry Carey with somebody's leg. China decided by a safety car. Baku partly decided by a safety car. And Valtteri Bottas running over a piece of debris that the marshals failed to pick up. <laughs> like, that's the story. Like, again, Monaco. Daniel Ricciardo wins a race he really shouldn't have won because his MGUH failed. <laughs> like, any other track, he doesn't win that race. <laughs> like... I could I could go on here if I really wanted to. Merck's had bad engines in Canada. France was over by turn one because Seb drove into the back of Valtteri. Austria had a double Merck's DNF for the first time in the hybrid era. Silverstone was decided by Raikkonen driving into Lewis Hamilton and robbing him of a chance to win that race until the very end. Germany decided by Vettel putting it in the wall. There's been mitigating factors in Every race, almost every race this season, to the point where the best car argument almost doesn't matter. Because... Yeah, it almost doesn't matter. <laughs> Counterpoint. Counterpoint. Vettel trash, though. <laughs> Bold it. Bold it. His, his car is fast enough to win pole. Obviously, best car. It's Vettel. It's a problem. <laughs> of course. Of course. Like, like, now the media's turned on Sebastian again. Like, oh, we can't handle the pressure. Like, the guy who won a world title in 2012 after being taken out at turn three in Brazil by Bruno Senna and came back to finish seventh in one of his greatest drives that won him a world title. Like, please tell me about how this man apparently can't handle pressure when he went round the outside of Curva Grande at 190 miles an hour to pass Fernando Alonso in 2011. How he came back from the back when his car ran out of fuel in qualifying in Abu Dhabi 2012. A critical race that got him back on the podium, including the pass of the year on Jensen Button to, to get on the podium. Please sit here and tell me this man can't handle pressure, because I will call you a liar. Like, praise be to dread. I am sick and tired of this of this narrative relating bullshit. So much so that even Lewis Hamilton is coming out and saying that it's bullshit. Lewis Hamilton clearly reads the papers because he came out with this statement on his, on his Instagram page this morning, where and I quote. I feel the media need to show a little more respect for Sebastian. You simply cannot imagine how hard it is to do what we do at our level. For any athlete at the top of their game, that is. It is to be expected that being humans, we will make mistakes, but it is how we get through them that counts. That was Lewis Hamilton on his Instagram page this morning. 
You need to rise up and tell everybody from the front row to the back row. <laughs> Lick. I'm going to go on a little tirade here. I already have to a degree, but I mentioned it on Twitter earlier today. I'm recording this on we were recording this on Tuesday night, October 9th, and I put out on there on Twitter. Perception really is ten tenths of the law when it comes to F1 these days, and we're lucky. I don't think we often realise just how lucky we are as F1 fans. We have two of the six best racing drivers. I could even go one further, three of probably the best 12 ever in F1 right now, at the same time, at the peak of F1's current popularity in the social media era. We're very, very lucky to have Hamilton and Vettel have such a heated and impassioned rivalry that we care about, and from two very different men as well. And I've I've never fully agreed with everything that Lewis Hamilton has said and done on and off the track. I think everyone that knows me well as a media content creator and as an F1 guy will tell you this. But anyone that also pays attention will know I have a lot of respect for Lewis Hamilton, the racer, and Lewis Hamilton, the brand. Because he takes F1 to places it has never been. Like, him getting a Tommy Hilfiger range, the weekend of him winning at Singapore, and he's flying off to India to launch stuff, and he's going back and forth. I will always have a level of respect for Lewis doing that, because he he does more for this sport right now than anyone has done. And in an important time for it, too, because we are more media-friendly and more media-savvy than ever before when it comes to sports in general. And sports is just that. It's a vacuum of instant gratification and being reactionary because that's... Cause we do sports with social media. Like, like I remember when Marshawn Lynch didn't run the ball for the Seattle Seahawks when New England won the ball. It was 3.7 million tweets per minute. It was the most tweeted-about moment in sports Twitter history. We are more than that than ever. And on the other side of the coin, Sebastian Vettel is, you know, the complete opposite. He's the only driver that has no social media footprint whatsoever. Doesn't have a Twitter, doesn't have a Facebook, doesn't have an Instagram page. Even fucking Kimmy's on Instagram these days and being every bit of parody of himself that he always thought he was. And the mm. thing is, even like when you compare Lewis to, Kim, to, to Vettel's teammate, Kimmy Raikkonen, Lewis always promote stuff that he enjoys doing. He clearly, yes. he loves his Tommy Hilfiger product range while Kimmy's out here just like, fuck, let me just put some fucking haikus in a book. Let me, let me, let me plug, like, this, this is a book of haikus. This is a race weekend. This is my helmet. <laughs> like, it's, it's like the Kimmy brand has become a thing of just being a complete nothing. But Vettel is the opposite side of the coin and I think that's what makes it so interesting because Hamilton is the media guy, he is the brand guy, he's the guy that's going out there and pushing what he loves doing, as well as Hamilton the brand and Hamilton the sport. We get to see him hang out with Kanye, and all the other cool people, they'll be like, the, like, again, Kanye isn't cool, he's a dickhead, but that's not the, that's not the point. Kanye isn't cool anymore. <laughs> I know, I, it was metaphorical, I know, he's a, he's an arsehole, he's a, he gets to he gets to date Nicki Minaj, right? Being labeled as NASCAR driver, right? Lewis Hamilton, which it, which yeah, which you know, other some people would just be like, how would you not know that formula that Lewis Hamilton is F one driver and just like because oh, oh now Lewis is going to NASCAR because because it's American, so they assume anyone that drives cars is a NASCAR driver. But that's besides the point. The two being so different is what often makes them so interesting. And the funny thing about all of this is is that 
Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel have always had an incredible amount of respect for each other as competitors. That's obvious. That's been a thing for years. Last year, when Hamilton won title number four in the press pit, the first man to give him a hug and congratulate him was Sebastian Vettel. Like, I remember even earlier this season, when Verst- when it was obvious Hamilton had called Verstappen a dickhead on the hard camera after their move in Bahrain, the guy who defended him was Sebastian who jumped in and said, well, listen, we all say things in the heat of the moment. And that was the point, because... Vettel was in that same position less than a year beforehand when he hit Hamilton's car in Baku. And Vettel got his phone number and he apologised to Hamilton and we were all spinning up, oh, what's, what are they going to do? Hamilton's on pole, Vettel's on the front row, what's going to happen? They shook hands. And even after Sky tried to make out that they didn't shake hands, I remember this shit. And like... And this yep. is the point that I was making. This is the point that I made in a, in a segment a few weeks ago that ended up becoming a video segment on YouTube where I said, it's not those two that are doing it. It's the fans and the media that are fanning the flames trying to make out that these two hate each other when they just don't. Like, they don't. It, 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 and you know what? They're looking for any outlet to try and spin up this rivalry which already sells itself. You have Lewis Hamilton, the greatest driver of this generation, a man with 80 pole positions, 70 plus wins, the dominant dude of this hybrid era, and an interesting brand guy. And Sebastian Vettel, the guy that's currently living his dream, trying to emulate his hero, Michael Schumacher, by trying to win a world title for Ferrari in a car that, for the first time in maybe six years, is good enough to actually win a title. And that should alone sell itself. And it frustrates me when it comes down to silly comments on the internet and fans like, oh, look at this. Vettel's a bottler. Vettel bottled this. Or Hamilton bottled that. Fuck off with that shit. That that doesn't apply here. They are two of the best racing drivers we have ever seen. And we should be thanking our lucky stars that we've got them in the sport at the same time. You know what? You know, you know, before I move on and wrap this up, one point I wanted to make. I don't know if anyone saw this on MotoGP's Twitter account. I think, I think it was on Monday morning. But there was a video that they leaked out. It was a video of them on on the carriage going towards the, the podium in Thailand. And it was Mark Marquez and Andrea De Vizioso. Without any doubt, the two best riders in MotoGP right now. You know, like, again, the story writes itself. Mark Marquez is the greatest rider of this generation. He is a true freak in motorsport. I mean, it's something that we have never seen before. Some of the stuff he pulls out, we have never seen before in bike racing. He is probably going to rewrite every record in the rulebook by the time it's all said and done. He's got one hand on world title number seven, which he's got a chance to wrap up in Mategi next weekend. Andrea De Vizioso is a fantastic rider and a guy that has really stepped up in the last two years of those who don't watch MotoGP. Dovi was a perennial midfielder and a guy that did really good work and good solid work and was respected amongst the paddock as a good all-round racer. But then when Ducati got good, Dovi turned into a real title contender for the first time. Last season, won six Grand Prix, took Marquez to the final round in Valencia. Something that nobody saw coming halfway through the year. It was like, oh my god, the Vizioso's suddenly an alien. And it was a, and it was amazing to watch because 
Not only that, Dovi beat Marquez in two head-to-head fights that season. Once at Mategi, and I can't remember the other one. It was Austria. It was Austria where they where they where they went side by side into the final corner. And you know what was the beautiful thing about that? They got along. They hugged it out afterwards. They have phenomenal respect for each other. They had another tremendous dogfight in Thailand this past weekend. And when they got off the bikes, they hugged each other and they both congratulated each other for a brilliant race. And that is the point. You don't need to add a narrative to every feud because Marquez and Dovi wrote itself. And it was left on the track, and they hugged it out afterwards, and they and we all fucking loved it. What more needs to be done? I do not understand why everything in F1 needs a narrative. I don't know why ESPN are going out of their way to write places about how Vettel's lost 125 points in mistakes, and it's all his fault that Ferrari, who quote-unquote have the best car, and he's blown it, and he's bottled it. I don't know. And I, and trust me, I'd be saying the exact same thing if it was Hamilton and Mercedes and the other way round. Can we all, as an audience, apply some nuance to this, to, to how we watch Formula One, and just be better for it? Because it isn't as simple as Vettel bottled it, and it isn't as simple as Ferrari shit. There is more to it than that. I don't. I just wished we, as consumers of this product, took a little bit of time out to apply some thought to what we're saying rather than going oh he's a bottler oh he can't handle pressure oh this driver's shit and I'm like better than this or at least I'd like to think that church dismissed (laughs) that's right church dismissed thank you praise be to Dre be sure to also subscribe to Motorsport 101 on Patreon to listen to Bike Live (sighs) oh god I need a cigarette after that is that uh... Has anyone, has anyone got Mission Win now on the phone? <laughs> nah, nah. Apparently, they're they're not selling us products. What the fuck are they selling Daniel us? Daniel Ricardo. <laughs> I need a cigarette. <laughs> Monster Energy. Um, your your opportunity is still there. We're gonna switch it over mm. to another sugary drinks company. Daniel Ricardo had an interesting. Oh weekend. lord. Um, and it can be summarized in one word after his engine blew mm. up in Q two. <laughs> Fun times watching him charge to the field to finish fourth and win drive awesome. of the day. Um, it, it was a nice reminder um, to, that uh, Daniel Ricciardo is still a world-class racing driver and one of the very best in the world on his day because, like, spoiler alert, kids, Ricciardo's had a pretty shit time since Monaco. Um, to put it into perspective mm. just how bad it's been, He's been outscored by over 60 points since that Monaco victory. He is 0-12 in qualifying against Max Verstappen since Monaco happened. And that's the thing. And this still holds up. Ricardo has not had a racing lap ahead of, of Max Verstappen outside of pit windows since Monaco. That is how bad the Ricardo situation has been, to the point where Verstappen, who had an awful start to the season, and Ricardo, who won the third race of the year in China as well, lest we forget, is now 27 points ahead of him in the championship. Like, it's hard not to feel bad for Ricardo, and you could see that frustration vent over, because after he got eliminated in Q2 with yet another mechanical problem... The, the camera was on him walking back to his garage and he just yelled 
fun times at the top of at the top of his lungs. Um, and and I don't think if you didn't feel a bit sorry for him after that one, then I don't know what to tell you. He took to Instagram afterwards and just said, and I quote, "Little bit of adversity, but I ain't the one to feel sorry for myself." I will smile at that fucker and shine on in the most Daniel Ricardo way possible. Yeah. And as Cam mentioned in the chat, he blew out his voice. If you listen to any mm. of the post race, like the post qualifying interviews, like he has, he could barely speak. His voice is really raspy. Like he, he was extremely. Yeah, he frustrated. blew out his voice. He put all that frustration of countless mechanical failures in a season that is unraveling and a feeling like he's really, really just trying to get to 2019 in his brand yeah. new job. But damn it, but damn it, he put in his two weeks notice and he doesn't want to just walk away from the company. Yeah, that, 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 that's me right now with my actual job, funnily enough. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, geez, I mean, again, a, a, a brilliant drive from Daniel Ricciardo um, on that one to come from 15th to 4th basically like that you know, lest we forget Ricciardo is an outstanding racing driver when he wants to be and uh, I, I really hope Renault gives him a decent car because F1 is better when Ricciardo does fun shit um, it just is and uh, con- contrast that to Verstappen who you know definitely had a role to play in the Vettel clash but also got a 5 second time penalty um, for Basically, cutting the corner, coming back on, and nearly running Kimi Raikkonen off the road. Um, this happened at the last. This happened at the final chicane um, on the lap. Like Ricardo, sorry, sorry, Verstappen outbreaks himself, runs on the runs on the astroturf to cut, comes back. Like Raikkonen has two wheels on the grass because Verstappen's giving him no room whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I loved that, uh, like, after the five-second penalty was given during the safety car, and it was given five seconds, he immediately got on the radio, complained, and complained, and I quote, that Kimi Raikkonen should, like, he, he, he took the wrong line, apparently. Like, like that was the problem. <laughs> I don't know. I think he should have saved up his complaints, um, as one Fernando Alonso did, uh, about a uh, mid, mid-race uh, rules administering. Kimmy should have waited for me was the quote. <laughs> Good. I, I just I, I just find it amazing that this is what year four of Max Verstappen and he is still an unrepentant driver where he has basically admitted fault once in his F1 career and that was in China where he had absolutely zero argument he could make about a penalty. <laughs> that was the first I, I thought Verstappen had turned the corner. I thought after Bahrain, where he absolutely ran into Lewis Hamilton, and the after China, where he had absolutely no defence for for ramming Sebastian Vettel at the hairpin, like I thought he turned the corner. Clearly, I gave him too much credit. <laughs> like yeah. he is still an unrepentant ass when it comes to when he, when it comes to hand to hand combat, and I, and I and I just find that alarming that Verstappen is still doing this. Although I'm completely also unsurprised. <sighs> Sigh. But yeah, that's what's happened for you. What else is new? Some of the other stuff going through Japan as well. Um, shout out was to fun. the. Midfield was very fun. Sergio Perez winning the Formula 1.5 race with a solid 7th place finish. Um, Sebastian in 6th after coming back through the field. But yeah, the F1.5 winner 
was Checo. Um, good to see him back at the back at the front. He was in a we had a lot of fun midfield action with him, uh, with Romain Grosjean in eighth, Esteban Ocon ninth, Carlos Sainz tenth. The Salbers were very dicey. Shout out to Marcus Ericsson for accidentally driving into the back of his teammate. I thought that was quite funny. Um, Shout out as well to uh, Lance Stroll, who was actually able to overtake Fernando Alonso going around the outside of the 130R. Now, I know it's not 2005, the amount of downforce these cars run these days. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit easier to pass through there these days, but like... Did you see this? Like it was like a it was like an episode of Rock'em Sock'em Robots. It, it it was hilarious just to see like Stroll go around the outside. Like Stroll's forced Alonso off the road, but then Alonso basically goes motocrossing <laughs> across the grass, and they both got five seconds. <laughs> yeah, also, and it's like yeah, what downforce? We're talking Williams here. Cam points that <laughs> in the chat. Yeah, they're not having. They don't have much downforce to work with, and Stroll still pretty much nailed that pass about as good as you can make it. Now, yeah. when they got to the Hitachi Automotive uh, Technologies Triangle, formerly the Casio Triangle, but we know it as It'll forever be Casio to me! <laughs> yeah. It all kind of included a bit. But yeah, midfield was fun. Like, like if you just looked at this race from the perspective of like, oh man, Vettel didn't make up any ground in the championship. This race was boring. You're like, you'll need to look at it just like, hey, there was shit going on all the time. Yikes! Also, shout out to K Mag because he also he also pulled off. In fairness, he pulled off a very similar move to the outside of Charles Leclerc. He also went round the outside of the one thirty R, which is you know solid seven out of ten on the impressive scale these days. Again, again, these cars are rocking so much so, downforce. It ain't no five, bro. <laughs> so still... I have to talk about my move of the race, my favorite move of the race. Go on. Last lap. Fastest lap, Sebastian Vettel to deny Lewis Hamilton his first Grand Slam of the season. <laughs> yeah, Bono had even told Lewis that he secured the Grand Slam, and then shortly after that radio message got played, Bing, fastest lap, Sebastian Vettel. Ah, uh, Sebastian Vettel, leader in the clubhouse of the Petty Olympics. Uh, <laughs> Like, like, I love that all of this, all of a sudden, Vettel had chosen now to bring back his old tradition of trying to set the fastest lap on the final lap of the race. <laughs> yes, it was like, fuck it, why not, right? Why not? And so, yeah, sets the fastest lap of the race twice on the penultimate and then the final lap of the race. Um, Vettel's second fastest lap of the year. Um, yeah, to, to deny, as, as King mentioned, what would have been a Grand Slam win for Lewis Hamilton. Somewhere, Zoe, who is listening in, is delighted that Jim Clark's record is still in good shape. Um, <laughs> yep, Lewis still tied with a bunch of other dudes with five. Jim Clark alone at the top with eight. Lewis has not had a Grand Slam since last season. Yeah, yep. Zoe Hamilton. Yeah, but you know who has had a Grand Slam is Ronald Acuna Jr. in Game Three of the play of the NLDS, baby. I let, know we lost that series three to one. Let, let it go, RJ. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe Hamilton, you owe me a beer for that one. Um, you're you're welcome on behalf of the Sebastian Vettel Church of Dre. <laughs> Let's not talk about the Suns. <laughs> Oh no! Oh dear! Oh dear! Um, so, 
you know, that pretty much summed up what was a, you know, a, 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 a pretty fun Japanese Grand Prix. Also, side note from baseball. I love that Ken put in the Discord chat. Meanwhile, my Red Sox, hashtag get fucked, King. <laughs> in capital letters. I can't help but laugh off of that. Um, it, it, it threw me off for half a second there. Um, but, yeah, full result from the Japanese Grand Prix. Around 17 of 21. Lewis Hamilton winning by 13 seconds in the end. Clear out there on his own. Ahead of teammate Valtteri Bottas. He came under a lot of late pressure for Max Verstappen for second place. Including Bottas running over the last chicane. Um, no punishment there. But uh, Bottas holds on for second place. Like the good wingman that he is. Um, Verstappen in third on the podium. Ahead of Daniel Ricciardo in fourth. And for all those guys that wants to tell me about how good Ferrari is as a car. Kimi Raikkonen. Fifth. 51 seconds off the victory. Just saying. Sebastian Vettel in sixth in the end, coming back from his his excursion with Max Verstappen. Sergio Perez in seventh, winning the Formula 1.5 race. Romain Grosjean in eighth. Esteban Ocon ninth. Carlos Sainz gets off the last of the points in tenth. Ahead of Pierre Gasly, who sadly fell to 11th after a brilliant qualifying session. Marcus Eriksson twelfth. Brendan Hartley thirteenth. Could somebody give Brendan Hartley a break, please? For God's sake. Um, Fernando Alonso fourteenth. Ahead of his teammate Stoffel van Dorn 15th, Sergei Sorokin 16th, Lance Stroll 17th, um, three retirements in the end, Charles Leclerc of a mechanical breakdown on lap 38, one lap ahead of Nico Hulkenberg who had yet another engine problem, praise be Renault's reliability, may we bless them in, in the future because I like Daniel Ricciardo, and Kevin Magnussen who as a result of that collision ended up parking the car. Championship standings with just four rounds to go now. Lewis Hamilton now has a 67-point lead, which now means, folks, if he wins at his home Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas next weekend... That's right. Sebastian Vettel has to finish in second to keep the title alive to Mexico. Anything less, Lewis Hamilton will leave his home Grand Prix as world champion for the fifth time. Valtteri Bottas back in front in that battle for third on 207 points, ahead of Kimi Raikkonen's 196 in fourth, and Max Verstappen rounds off the top five on 173. In the Formula 1.5 chase, we now have a three-way tie between Sergio... Oh, spicy! Spicy between Sergio Perez, Kevin Magnussen, and Nico Hülkenberg. Um, so Hülkenberg has only scored one point in his last six races. Jesus. Um, so yeah, it's opened the door. We now have a three-way tie. Perez, Magnussen, and Hülkenberg in a three-way tie, all on 53 points each. Perez on top with that third-place tiebreaker in Baku. Fernando Alonso just three points behind on 50. And Esteban Ocon just another one point behind there on 49. So we have a five-way fight for the Formula 1.5 title. Um, Renault really have shit the bed in recent times there. I, I do find it amazing because all of a sudden that fourth is no longer secure. Um, to go into the constructors in a second here, Merck's now with a 78-point lead um, on Ferrari now on 538 to Ferrari's 460. The Red Bull Racing No Man's Land team on 319. Renault in the best of the rest on 92. Only eight points ahead of Haas on 84. Um, we'll give a path to a pair of eighth places from Grosjean. Who are also preparing for their home race. Indeed. In the Circuit of the Americas, of course. That's next weekend. McLaren limping there on 58 points. No points for the last two rounds from them. But hey, according to Fernando Alonso, everything is rosy. Um, for Cyndia... 
are slowly reeling them in on 43. They're in seventh place. They're 15 points behind with four, with four rounds to go. Sixth place really isn't, and it really isn't, you know, it's up for the taking at this point now. Um, Toro Rosso, eighth place ain't safe either. No, Toro Rosso is holding on to that. They have, again, Toro Rosso have not scored in four rounds. Um, believe it or not, and Charles Leclerc is dragging that Sauber into play. They're, they're on 27, they didn't score this weekend, but they're only three points behind Toro Rosso now in the fight for eighth, and Williams still limping behind on seven. So, King, are we uh, are we, we going to be crowning another world champion next weekend? I think we will be, to be honest. <laughs> oh, man. It just seems right. It, it's it's down to whether Botas can get seconds. <laughs> Probably. I mean, Botas has driven well lately. I don't see any reason why he isn't. If Mercs are still this strong at, at, at Kota, which they probably will be. It's Hamilton land, for fuck's sake. Only two people own Kota. It's Lewis Hamilton and Mark Marquez. That's the rules. <laughs> only they can win round there. <laughs> our our the- greatest American champions. <laughs> Though, Dre, I do have to mention the proper... Peasants World Championship standings. If you if you actually score it out, or you exclude the top six and give the the seventh place driver twenty five points. Hulkenberg has a clear lead still. Yeah. So Hulkenberg sits at one ninety three, followed by Perez at one eighty seven and Ocon at one eighty six. Then you get Carlos Sainz Jr. is the next driver back at one eighty four. That's consistency, folks. Yay. Please keep this man on the grid. I give this Japanese Grand Prix a a solid uh, 7.5 uh, vending machines out of 10. Did you all know that Japan has a lot of vending machines? <laughs> Nobody ever <laughs> mentions Sometimes that. they sell things that are not soda. Um, no, it's actually pretty dope because like you get coffee in a can there and it's like it's served warm. It's not like yeah, it's cold weird. coffee. It's warm. Yes, I've learned everything I know about Japanese culture by watching episodes of Worth It on BuzzFeed. It is a good time. <laughs> so, so uh, yes, um, I had it at a six. I, I, I thought it was a four first time out. I think that was a lot. Of, I think that was partly my own saltiness. The midfield action was yeah. pretty solid in the end on the second watch, and yeah, it wasn't terrible. Um, it was a it was a solid Grand Prix. Japan is still, you know, Suzuka is still one of the best racetracks in the world, and there was a lot of overtaking. Um, yeah, in places that you don't normally see it, and that's and that's fun. It's a, it is a fun time. Um, so, yeah, um, check it out if you get in there. Yes, I know Lewis agrees, Henry. For fuck's sake, um, Arigato, gozaimasu. <laughs> Praise be to yeah, God. I, I too give it. I'm I'm authority. Give it a seven. Solid race. Solid race. Um, F1 as as mentioned returns next weekend for the American Grand Prix, United States Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas. Always a fun time. Can we please bring back Michael Buffer? I would love for them to bring back Michael Buffer because that shit was fun. Um, anyone had a problem with that last year? Doesn't like fun things. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I'm I'm staying with that. I'm staying with that last from last year. Also, bring back, bring in John McDonald to do the same thing at the British Grand Prix. That'd be great. Yes, that would be great. Um, John McDonald, though, is darts master of ceremonies, and he is awesome. 
So, um, yes, I'm here for all of that as well. Um, so, yeah, um, definitely here for that. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. Most likely not on next week's show, but the weekend after in two weeks' time. We're going to have a problem with next week's show, aren't we, Furthers? Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're, uh, you're week ahead. Um, we, have, we have sports cars. We have Petit Lamont Road Atlanta. I won't be there this year. Sorry. We have the WC Sit Sours of Fuji. I won't be there because plane travel. Yeah. Uh, and we have the European Formula 3 Championship Series Finale at the Hockenheim Ring mm. as part of the DTM Support Weekend. But we're not here for DTM because we're here for the coronation yes. of Mick. Mick, 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 yep. Mick, 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 who will most likely be the final European Formula 3 champion. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the, it's the series finale. It's the series finale. Before it gets rebooted as a Netflix special. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get into the news, fellas? Besides, besides the week ahead, you know. Sure. sure. Um, yeah. Some some interesting news out of Formula E. We're starting to see their season five grid and their obviously their, their first season of the generation two cars start to take some shape, and uh, we have two, we have three uh, brand new acquisitions to talk about, RJ. Uh, yes, indeed, and these are not in any chronological order, at least I don't think they are, but uh, let's start with uh, Envision Virgin Racing, and notice it's not DS Virgin because uh, Citroen's upscale brand is going to Tachita. Uh, Virgin have Audi powertrains, and they also have Robin Friends to partner Sam Bird. Yes, it's another 2012 Formula Renault 3.5 reunion <laughs> special. Yeah, boy! <laughs> Robin Friends is back in a Formula E car. Everything feels right. That's awesome because we all know, like Robin Friends is like the story of the guy that was great enough to be in F1 but never really got the chance for it. Don't let that define you, Robin. You go back to Formula E and you kick ass again because he was really good when he was at Amlin Andretti back in the day. God, that was season two. I feel old just mentioning that now. Oof. Who can forget that time he got the podium with the broken steering rack? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was the race that actually turned me into a Robin Friends fan after feeling like, eh, I don't know if this guy's all that. And then he was just, like, crabbing his way to a third place. I'm like, okay, now I'm convinced. This dude's awesome. Yeah, he's great. He, he, he's, he's fucking awesome. Yeah. Robin Friends did me. Won, won the Bathurst 12-hour this year as well. He did indeed. He did indeed. Um, that should be a fun times. That should be a fun times for all involved there. Um yeah, great to see Robin Friends back. Um, he's a great driver, and he, you know, I like any guy that can that can uh, stomach angry Sebastian Buemi deserves all the Formula E goodness. And yeah, I hope Robin Friends works out. That's a fun team, him and Sam Bird at Virgin. Whew. That oh, and that car is so purple. It's it's, ex- it's purple again. It's the color of royalty, and I'm here for all of it. So uh, hell yeah, I am here for Envision Virgin uh, Kyrets. Research and development race. Yes! Doing yes! all the things. There is a wipeout reference. Drink! Everyone, everyone that's playing the Motorsport 101 drinking game, take a drink. Um, <laughs> I'm here for all of that. I mean, the car, the cars are basically looking like um, PS1 wipeout ships nowadays. Yes. It's not that far off. No, it really isn't, to be fair. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Also, a DTM veteran is joining the field. Yes, that would be... Uh, Mercedes stalwart Gary Paffett. Praise, praise be. <laughs> it is not a Mercedes factory team, but they do have extensive Mercedes ties. This is HWA Race Lab. Yes, indeed. And uh, 
and uh, their livery looks very much like a jaguar. <laughs> no, right? Yeah, it's terrible. It's it's it's, it's, it's kind of disappointing. It is terrible. Like guys, yeah. guys, when, oh. when, when I come to power as mega preacher <laughs> Dre Harrison, when I come to power, all gray, white, and black racing liveries will be banned. Like. I'm sorry. Be creative. We are like this is the second year in a row. Formula E has had two very similarly liveried cars. For God's sakes, people, ha- have a WhatsApp group chat. Sort it out amongst yourselves. Toss a coin for to decide <laughs> who, who gets the base color. Okay, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, we need we re- need to bring national colors back now. <laughs> King going full old school. Yes, like every British team has to be in green. That is the rules. <laughs> You guys pick a shade of green, and you settle it before you unveil anything. Yep, you, you draw RGB colors on Photoshop out of a hat, okay? <laughs> that is going to be the rules, and I am sticking to it. Um, so yes, that is a thing. But, but also, the weight. Gary Paffin. It's been 15 years since he's been in a single-seater car. And you thought the Brendan Hartley comeback was extensive. You ain't seen nothing here, folks. Um, yeah. Um, Paffitt was also in contention about a decade ago to drive for McLaren back in 2007 <laughs> and 2008. Um, a but, decade Yeah, but he's been cutting his teeth in DTM. He's fourth on DTM's all-time win list if you include this DTM and the old DTM from the 90s. Whew. He's got to oh, have Jesus. like he's got to have like close to two hundred starts at this point. This dude's a uh, this dude's a hoss. Let's see. He has yeah, DTM. He has one hundred eighty four <laughs> starts. Yeah, yeah. And now with Mercedes pulling out, you know it's a it's time for a new challenge. And Gary Paffitt, you know he might be awesome at this. Yeah. And uh, we're hearing we're hearing interesting things about that second seat. Uh, none that have been things. confirmed here yet, um, but the latest rumors seem to link another um, McLaren-affiliated driver. One more recent. Hmm. Uh, one that is more recently available. Anyone for waffles? E- Anyone for waffles? <laughs> so, Stoffel Van Dorn could be making his way over. That's yeah, the uh, that's, that's the hot rumor. Yeah, and that uh, there's also the other rumor that Mahindra might be getting a certain also F1 exile. Esteban? Mm. Pascal? Uh, no. Ooh, yes. spicy. <laughs> spicy. No, I, yeah. I, I, could, I could be here for all of that. Um, yeah. Dragon Racing's got an announcement on the 11th, which we don't know about, and nobody's leaked it to us yet. Um, so we can't tell you there, but um, the last of the acquisitions is uh, Oliver Turvey staying at NIO, uh, the former uh, Team China, uh, the former Netstev, um, and he's joined by Flying Tommy Dillman, 2016 Formula 3.5 champion, yes. um, who has been racing in Super Formulas this year for Team Lamar. Fun times. Yeah, apparently Dillman's really quick. <sighs> Yep, so I think off the top of my head, available seats, obviously the second seat at HWA, both seats at Dragon, and both seats at Mahindra are still open. Yeah, Dillman finished fourth in the, fourth in the first leg at the New York City round. Yeah. Whew. That, that should be fun. That's good. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Formula E is looking good. 
um, and we'll all and we'll all feel really good watching Formula E Crown Jewel to start the season <laughs> the day before December, my birthday, December fifteenth. Sigh, sigh, double sigh. Diets are not coming out of retirement for this one. <laughs> Let's get ready to suck it. So, RJ, tell us about your Discord hashtag. Um. Yeah. Now, this is where we start to. Uh, this is where we start to talk about the Bathurst One Thousand. And I know what I know. What you think I know that you're thinking that um, this will be the part in the show where Adam Johnson does a run-in a la Chris Jericho disguised as Pentagon Jr. at All In. <laughs> well, as it turns out, that's not the case because uh, we got some Bathurst knowledge. I-, I watched a good chunk of it before someone narked on my very legal stream source. Totally legal. <laughs> totally legal sources. Yes. Goddamn narks. <laughs> um, so... Erebus Motorsport, and in particular David Reynolds, pretty much had a stranglehold on this race for a good chunk of it, um, until he started to cramp up so badly that he could no longer drive the car in his limit. And while while he was going through so much physical agony, he was being slowly reeled in, slowly reeled in, by a 45-year-old that's on his way out. You might have heard of him, especially if you're Australian. His name is Craig Mm. Lowndes. He's won this race six times before. He's probably the the most accomplished modern era supercars driver of all time. And he wins his seventh with co-driver Stephen Richards winning his fifth. And that is especially impressive in his final full-time season. The hashtag Dale Jr. had appreciation. Oh no, Craig Lowndes, he's got appreciation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how we allow RJ to keep having these terrible hashtags on the show. We really should do something about that. Like, if, if you donate to us on Patreon, maybe we'll get RJ a decent hashtag at some point. <laughs> Love you, RJ. <laughs> oh. No, uh, that was actually, like, genuinely cool. Of course. Like, I'm not even a big Supercars guy, but that's, that's, like, really cool to see him win that race. And that actually puts him in title contention where... I don't believe he's won a series title in about 20 years. For all the cool shit that Craig Lowndes has done, it's been a long time since he's actually won a series title. But yet, he, 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 just, he, just, he just ends up winning everything at bar first. Yeah, he just, he just wins a whole lot of shit. Yeah, the last time that he has won a... What is now a was supercars title? Yeah, it was nineteen ninety-nine. Oh nineteen was... years ago? Yeah. But here's the thing. In that same time span, he's finished second in the championship six times and third in the championship another two. Jesus Christ. He's that guy. The guy's he, he... He's he's very good at his job. <laughs> and then during in that time period, he's won Bathurst six times. As you do. Yeah. Um, we also got a bit of fun because uh, Johnson's ascended boy become a man. Scott Pre- Scott McLaughlin got yeah. booed because he was the only Ford guy, and all the Holden fans <laughs> took over. Um, by the way, this is one of my favorite and also troubling things about Supercars fans is that Ford and Holden guys basically have the energy of the guys who will buy Ping Calvin stickers. And put them on the back yep. of their trucks. 
but just imagine them with like over the top Australian accents, and that's basically your average super. I was gutted. Fan. I was actually meant to be going to a watch party to actually watch this bar first race, but then of course the fact it was it was yanked off British television at the last minute due to the collapse of Motors TV. For fuck's sake! <sighs> oh, oh, and we almost forgot to mention. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk to you again. But this time it wasn't even Jamie Wincup's fault. The wheel just popped off while his co-driver Paul Dumbrell was in the car. Of course, of course, as you do. (laughs) As as an incredible role reversal to Australian Jimmy Johnson bottling at Bathurst recently. I know we weren't going to talk about accomplished drivers bottling it, but yeah. I'll make it, I'll I'll allow it. Um, also, also Chaz Mostert hit his own teammates for the second year in a row. Uh, that was a thing that happened. Uh, no love for Super GT alumnus James Courtney because his car broke down. Um, goodness, uh, Paul Dumbrell would be very good at this if he wasn't managing a $300 million auto parts company. He would be doing this full time. Um, Greg Murphy, uh, Supercar's legend, was just standing at the top of the mountain getting drunk with fans. As you do. That was his role as commentary guy. Um, yeah, it was a good time. I love Australia. You... Never change. <laughs> I and love. It should be Mount... noted that it should be noted that Craig Lowndes may be retiring as a full time driver, but he will be returning to the mountain as a co driver in an attempt to get the all time wins record at Bathurst, which yeah. we'll probably see him in a super team pairing with either Jamie Wincup or Shane Van Gisbergen. Oh, for God's sake, that's just not fair! <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that's... and that's the thing. Shane Van Gisbergen already had a super team in place this year. He had some guy named Earl Bamber. Maybe you might have heard of him. One, two, Le Mans 24 hours. And the Lama- and the World Endurance Drivers Championship, world's largest you know, this- nut. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that, that's just not fair. That's Golden State signing Demarcus Cousins again. Like, come on, <laughs> that's just not fair. It's like Golden State out here is playing chess while everybody else is playing oh, yeah. checkers. Yeah, this. Oh yeah, this is the thing as well because Supercars had to change the rules because. Triple Eight Motorsport used to be able to just put their two full-time drivers in that era, Jamie Wincup and Craig Louds, in one car together, and they won a hat trick. But they changed the rules to stop that. Yeah, they're broken. They are completely broken. <laughs> all they needed to do, all, all that we needed to do to get them back together was, you know, for Craig Louds to step away full-time. Uh, side note: I love Mount Panorama Circuit. Yes, very, very much. It's awesome. Uh, it's a, it's, it's awesome. Any race that you have there is good. Um, if you if you only watch one supercars race, probably watch this one. Yeah, make it Bathurst. It's it's a fun time for all involved. Go watch Bar first. It is fun, and I promise I will do a watch party next year. That should be fun. Um, even if I have to get up a balls o'clock to watch it. Um, right now, we're not entirely done in Australia sure. though, because. Um, Folks, um, are your kids getting into Stadium Super Trucks, <laughs> the greatest series in the world? Well, they won't be at the next round of the uh, of the Virgin Australia Supercars Championship because they have been ba- they have been suspended from racing in Australia on safety grounds. Um, 
there's been an incident earlier this year. Um, a wheel went up into a spectator bridge at Barbagallo Raceway. Oh, God. Um, when it flung off one of the cars. Um, there haven't been any... Ma- there. There's only been, like, one life-threatening incident, and that was with uh, Matt Mengay at uh, Detroit. That very, very scary wreck where he lost, like, all of his jaw and had to have that rebuild. Um, yeah, and this is not the first time that uh, the... the, uh, the uh, What's it? The, uh, the Confederation of Australian Motorsport and Stadium Super Trucks, run by one Robert Gobbert, Rorden Gordon, <laughs> uh, have gotten into trouble when uh, Gordon was fined four thousand dollars for uh, for doing burnouts uh, at a in a super truck in Darwin City Center. Oh God. Um. So now, Stadium Super Trucks and the Confederation of Australian Motorsport are going to the Supreme Court. Wow. To try and get reinstated. It's come to this, has it? <laughs> yeah, because first they went to, I believe, uh, provincial court in the state of Victoria. That uh, the court kind of upheld Cam's decision. Now they're appealing to a higher court. Yeah, you know what's making this even awkward is that this could be the this could have been the homecoming coronation for their current points leader, Matthew Brabham. Mighty B you know, of the of the. Of the of the Brabham family dynasty, <laughs> M- Mister Bay doesn't love you any more. Meme from Punta del Este. Good times. <laughs> yeah, oh. they they found a replacement event, but it won't be the same. And maybe we'll see. We'll certainly see Stadium Super Trucks back in the United States, where they're loved and appreciated. Yeah, and it's they they have some backup plans so hopefully when the australia thing blows over hopefully and they get unsuspended that <laughs> they're planning to build like they're, they're like hopefully they 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 want to bring some big names to australia like travis Pastrana. they're trying to convince jack miller to do a stadium oh Super for Trucks god's race. sake I love, I love australia never change seriously they're like our drunken cousins it's great um also i i love that i love sorry i have to cut for a second i love the way king worded that no, just hope the whole australia thing just blows over that's fucking brilliant <laughs> It just, just I, I think that was I, yeah I think that was like uh, England's idea you know let's just let this whole Australia <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> oh my god oh dear oh dear <laughs> oh oh no <laughs> can we wrap this up now <laughs> yes I think we should I, I think. W- We've we've tapped out all of our content. Yeah, we have. It, we show. have. I, I think we need to go home, and like King needs to think about what he's done, um, and I need to recuperate after a Dre rant for the ages. There, good lord. Like F one, please give me nice things to talk about. I want to be nice, okay? I have to save all the nice things for Thursday when I'm recording Mike live. For fuck's sake, I'm getting tired of it, okay? Well, you know, on Bike Live this week, you can talk about Travis Pastrana letting Team USA down in the motocross from Nations. Somehow, I don't think that'll be mentioned. <laughs> Lucky escape, Travis. Lucky escape. <laughs> in the meantime, he comes back for a one bike race and he lets the side <laughs> God down. damn you, Travis. Stick to awesome cameos in Dirt 2. Right, now, just before we go, kind of wrap it up before we go. Please, you can find us one more time. YouTube.com forward slash motorsport101. Facebook.com. 
Um, motorsport, motorsport 101, twitter.com forward slash motorsport underscore 101, our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. You can back us financially if you really like us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101. Um, if, again, if you haven't already, you can listen to this show early and bike live early if you back us on early access. In fact, here's what, here's how miserable. I, I, I feel at the moment about F1. If Sebastian Vettel wins another Grand Prix between now and the end of the season, I'll drop it to $1 for a whole fortnight. You're welcome. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Um, $5 get you an episode of this show on Bike Live. Bike Live episode 82 will be out this week. Reviewing all the actions from a fantastic weekend of racing in Thailand. As mentioned, Marquez and Dovi going to war yet again in another chapter of their magnificent rivalry. And hey, Maverick Vinales and Valentino Rossi got front row seats. And that's fun too. All of that, another brilliant win for, for Francisco Bagnaia in the Moto2 category. Um, he's you know, starting to lean towards winning that Moto2 title in the fight against him and our beloved Miguel Oliveira. We love him on Bike Life, we really do. And, of course, King's beloved Brad Binder. Um, all praise, Lord Binder. Uh, he is our Lord and Saviour. All praise. Praise be. Praise, praise be to Brad Binder. Um, and, sadly, it was a it was a Sky VR 46-1-2 with Banyaya and Marini first and second. And another dramatic Moto3 race as Fabio Di Giantonio celebrated his new Moto2 contract with a win, and main title contender Marco Bezzecchi gets taken out on the final corner by Anea Bastianini. Drama! Um, Jorge Martin suffering a wrist problem all weekend. It was crazy. All of that in a balmy weekend of motorsport in Thailand, and as well previews for the the British Superbike season finale. Um, at Brands Hatch this weekend and a brand new round on the World Superbikes calendar as well. They're racing in Argentina um, this weekend as well so yeah, another chance for Jonathan Ray to make yet more history um, on that one and a big, big BSB season finale. Please Leon Haslam, for the love of God bring it home this time Please, dear God, don't blow this one now. He's only 50-plus points in front. All he needs is 15 points for the world title for free races. For the racing gods, if you're up there, like, and this is coming from Mega Preacher Dre, the Church of Dre, please bless Leon Haslam with his first major title. Please. Praise be. Praise Church be. dismissed. I've been Andre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell um, and, and and Ryan King. Thanks to everybody in the Discord who listened in as well. Shout out as well to Cam, Henry, and Brian for listening in uh, so, so patiently as they always do. You can get that if you back us at the $10 level on Patreon. We'll be back next week for, well... God knows what, really, to be honest with you. We might have to crack open the mailbag next week. Just saying. But until then, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Ryan King and RJ O'Connell. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye.
So I do have to mention one correction. Travis Strana rode for the team he always rides for in the motocross nation, Team Puerto Rico. Oh. And he failed to finish either of the races he was in. Also, during one of the siding laps, he did a backflip. Ah, hold up. What are Travis Pastrana's Puerto Rican credentials? Oh, his, I think his father is Puerto Rican. Yeah, that counts. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's that's entirely understandable. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's Puerto Rican? Skeptical. Since when? 